This is Amstigator, a podcast founded on purpose, but focused on the path to get there. Experience is the best teacher, right? And in this season of Amstigator, we're going all in on female perspective of women and wisdom as we answer one specific question. What's the lesson here? You'll hear from my best girlfriends and favorite female collaborators as we share deeply about what we're here to learn and teach as we guide other women to purpose. Welcome back to Amstigator. I'm so excited to share this episode with you today because it's another viewpoint on life and the lessons we're always learning. Today, you're going to meet Dr. Paquita Pullen, who I absolutely adore because she's living on purpose, and you're going to feel that in this episode. She's a therapist, and more than that, she's a doctor. She even talks about that, like, I'm a whole doctor, and it actually plays into today's lesson about how she's overcoming feelings of fear and scarcity. She's been a therapist for a long time and has been going to therapy herself for more than 10 years. So that's part of the conversation we have today about her having her PhD and how she even has to remind herself of that when she isn't feeling abundant or fully seeing her value. And I think it's such a powerful illustration of how so many of us can feel because sometimes it doesn't matter what accomplishments we have. We can appear high functioning to everybody else and then we get home and it's like, I'm breaking down. Or maybe we second guess ourselves or our power or our direction. So I just really appreciate Dr. P coming in with her sass and her sayings and her wisdom. It's really fun because you're hearing life lessons from her point of view. She counsels people for a living. So the way she narrates, the way she tells her personal stories are from a place of wholeness. And her stories have a therapeutic tinge to it too. So you're always learning the whole time. Dr. P also gets into why there needs to be more clinicians of color. I did not know this before our taping. Did you know 91% of therapists are white? Yeah, African-Americans make up just 4% of the therapist population. But in our actual population, they're nearly 15% of people in our country. So Dr. P talks about why she started a therapy practice geared toward minority populations and why she's now putting her focus toward teaching and mentoring clinicians of color. And make sure you listen all the way to the end because I ask her specifically about whether she believes we as humans all need stillness or the way I asked it even was like, is this something that only I need or is this something that everybody needs? And she's like, okay, you're going to hear her answer and her explanation of how people experience stillness differently. It's a conversation that's going to have you laughing a whole lot for sure, like LOL the whole time. But also, you'll walk away feeling permission, you know, feeling permission for the things that you already are experiencing. Like, it's okay to be the person you feel drawn to being. And before we get started, make sure you're following Amstigator on Instagram. You have to see Dr. P's silk pants. She showed up in my brand colors, okay? So they're hot pink on one leg and hot orange on the other, all silk. It was fire. I loved it. You can see Dr. P in her amazing pants as we post video clips from this conversation on the gram. So let's get into the episode. Here's Dr. Paquita Pullen with the lesson, Overcoming Scarcity. I think what you're doing with Ubuntu is fantastic. So I just just wanna start there with the counseling center that you've created, uh, you know, where your heart is on these issues with, you know, counseling people within a minority population. I just, 
I'm obsessed with what you're doing, so I want to hear all about it. Yes, thank you. Ubuntu is my baby. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and so we are a private practice, um, and it started out with just me and my assistant um, a couple of years ago. It was actually, I had I had a business called One Love Yoga, um, and then I realized that that was kind of limiting and only one part of, like, who I am. I'm mm. also a yoga instructor. Um, and so I kind of changed it and did the Ubuntu Counseling and Wellness. Yeah. What does Ubuntu mean? Ubuntu means loosely translated, um, I am because we are. So it really speaks to this notion, right, that we're all connected. And I came across it, this pen on Pinterest, where there was um, this notion that when someone like in a tribe um, had a transgression or a mistake or, you know, something that went against God or the, or the culture, or culture right? or things yeah. like that, you know, um, that rather than like criticizing or ridiculing, they would take take the person out, surround them and only remind them for like two days of all the good that they are. Wow. Because they felt like when we make mistakes and when we have transgressions, it's usually due to like we've forgotten who we are. So wow. it's the tribe's kind of responsibility, so to speak, to remind them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so you built an entire practice around this word of like, I'm going to remind you of all the beautiful things that you are and you address mental health in that way. Absolutely. Mirroring our humanity, right? Like that we are human. Yeah. I love that. Um, it's interesting to me that I didn't realize you were also a yoga instructor. So like you were, you were addressing the physical, but now, you know, with your practice, you're able to address the mental side of health mind body connect which yeah. is really important right yeah. I'm always say that like when you have a headache you know and you're trying to like do something you kind of struggle mm -hmm. right and it's like oh my, this headache this headache it's the same like if we're anxious <laughs> right yeah. um so there's such a connection between like our mind and our body and those things that are going on so we try to look at the whole person yeah what kind of whole person are you trying to address in your practice I know you see anybody, right? You see everybody. We do. But we there do. were very specific, there was a very specific population that you're like, this is who I need to help. Yeah, so uh, racial ethnic minorities, um, they, we are still, we are taking our healing so much seriously now. And I just yeah. want to pinpoint that, right? Like we have gotten for real about healing and yeah. growth, um, but we're still kind of behind the curve, so to speak, when it comes to mental health and mental health disparities. Um, and for lots of different reasons, like of education, like of resources, um, like of finances, like of understanding, lack of clinicians of color, yeah. right? Um, and so um, my practice really was for um, those. And how I kind of say it, how I say it is, you know, we stand for the understood, mm. unheard, misunderstood, unheard, and underrepresented. Mm. And who does that person look like? Paint the picture for who that Paint person is. Paint the picture. So that is the, you know, high-functioning, anxious black woman who's getting all of these accolades at her yeah. job, right? But then she's going home and, like, breaking down, yeah. crying, because there's nobody there to support her, but everyone is pulling off mm -hmm. of her, right? It's for the uh, black man who has a lot of pain inside um, and no outlet, yeah. in order to be able to do that, right? Because he's supposed to be a man. Yeah. And he's black, right? right. And, like, black men don't go to therapy. Yeah, that's there's a toughness you know? there, right? There's a toughness there. It's for the um, teenager, right, who knows that something isn't right or something um, needs to be better in their family. 
um, but they're a teenager, right? Yeah. So they don't have a voice, even though their voice um, needs to be heard, it's often not heard right. because of um, where they are. So, you know, the it's, unseen, yeah. unheard, and misunderstood, yeah. underestimated. Ooh, I like that one too, underestimated. Yes, underestimated. Do you feel like in some ways some of that applied to you in your own personal journey? Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, my friends and I joke that I've been grown my whole life. Like you came <laughs> right? out of the womb. Like I came out you of the You started womb. at 30. And yes, and my mom will say the same thing. Like I always had this perspective, you know what I mean, about things. Um, I've always been a person. It's not just what I see, it's what I don't see, you know. Mm. And I always remember I had to be like five or six. And I was like, you know, mom, if everybody became who they wanted to be when they grew up, the little things wouldn't get done. Right. Like I wanted to be a firefighter. I wanted <laughs> my little small frame self wanted to be a Take on firefighter. Like hundred pounds of gear. <laughs> but, you know, I was going to do it, you know. Yeah. Um, and so those types of things. And so just um, even myself, you know, growing up. I'm a first-generation uh, college student, which came much well, later. And even more than that, you have your Ph.D. So I have not, my Ph.D., like right? That's, yes. that's huge. Yes, that is huge. Um, but I was always a bookworm, always smart. When my siblings and cousins, I have lots of cousins, um, would be outside playing, I'd be snuggled under the table, like, reading a book, you know? Like, I was, like, a super nerd. Um, <laughs> I was, Nerds make money and make the world go round, though, right? <laughs> We make the world go around. Um, but, yeah, but I also grew up in some, you know, less than ideal um, circumstances. You know, I had an ACES score of like seven or eight. Um, Which I know what that means, but I'm not sure yeah. other people would so know. So ACES Please um, is adverse childhood experiences. Um, and so really trauma, right? Yeah. These, um, to break it down yeah. in simplest forms, there's certain traumas that we experience um, or can experience as children that they have found can predict mm -hmm. um, other issues later on down the line. Yeah. Right. So, like, for example, a homeless child right. might have a super high score as well because maybe they've witnessed someone getting robbed, Absolutely. witnessed someone getting killed. Yeah, so witnessing trauma, yeah. experiencing trauma, um, growing I think, up without both of your parents. That's true. I think mm -hmm. my ACEs score might be one. Like, mine mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. I've not had a lot of trauma growing mm -hmm. up. There was very little, right? My, my trauma that I've, I've experienced has been as an adult. Mm -hmm. But yours... You had a higher score as a child. At higher score as a child, which, you know, um, research says that, uh, like, even an ACE score of one puts you at, like, the risk four times more likely to experience, you know, things like alcoholism, substance yeah. abuse, which I'm very blessed and honored to say um, that I have never struggled with those things. That's right? a gift, right? So the thing that comes out of the ACEs research is that it takes one consistent, stable person in your life to change that trajectory. And so mm. for me, schooling and my teachers were really um, filled in the gap a lot of times, you know, with dealing with some of those wow. childhood things, for sure. That's amazing. And so at what point did you say, I need to be this person? You know, I need to be um, a counselor for other people. I need to help them. Yeah, so it's actually quite interesting because I get that question, right? And so I was at, um, I graduated from MTSU with my bachelor's degree. Um, and I kind of went in the first two years undeclared, mm. um, you know, didn't really have a major, didn't know what I was going to do. And then I call it uh, a mini breakdown. <laughs> right? And I was in my like little on campus apartment and I had like a mini breakdown. I don't even know what triggered it at this point, but I just started writing, oh. like just writing, writing, writing. And the next day I said, oh, I'm going to go declare my major 
as a psychology major and I'm going to go be a therapist. Wow. To this day, I cannot find that notebook. I don't know what happened to it. Oh, man. I don't know what I wrote, but I really think it was like a God thing or like this yeah. cathartic thing. But I think in that moment and after that release, it mm. was like, I don't want other people to feel alone. Mm. Were you 20? How old were you? I had to be, yeah, probably like 20. My birthday is weird, right? Like I graduated at 17 and started yeah. college at yep, 17 because yep. I'm a September baby. Okay. Um, but yeah, I probably had to be around like 20. And I just yeah. said, um, and I'd never even considered anything else at that point. You yeah. know what I mean? It was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And yeah. I think I had always, like I said, been perceptive. So there were things that I would call out and things that I would say. And mm. I will be honest, at 20, I did not have a lot of tact. <laughs> right? You know, I was just, I'm still a straight shooter, but now I know how to <laughs> shoot straight with a little tact. You yeah, know? you put some sugar on um, it. <laughs> a, little, a little sweetener. Um <laughs> And so I think that caused like a lot of ruptures and caused a lot mm. of this, uh, confusion about me and kind of my purpose and mm. what I needed to be doing. Um, but it's like I decided and that was that. Yeah. You know, I graduated May of 2010, the weekend of the floods for those oh Nashvilleans oh, wow. <laughs> like me. Yeah. Um, and that was a thousand year flood. Yes. The 2010 floods here in <laughs> yes. Nashville. Yeah. During my uh, graduation weekend. No way. Um, and so, but I was in Murfreesboro, so we was yeah. not um, as impacted. We did yeah. have some of that. Um, and then I started uh, grad school 2011. I just, I find it interesting that, that, you say that there aren't many clinicians of color. What do you know the stats on that? Or is it mostly yeah. white women? I mean, what is the what are we that seeing? Is, <laughs> you are correct. Yeah. So what we're seeing, um, and I do think that it's shifting and changing, uh, right? But it's about four percent African American, about four percent Hispanic American, and probably like one percent Asian and Pacific Islander. No. Um, the rest is white. Typically more females, but. So you like 91% white mm -hmm. in terms of clinician makeup. Wow. Mm -hmm. When when you were in your classes, were the were you the only person who looked like you? So in my cohort, I was actually pretty lucky. Um, it was actually five of us in my <laughs> cohort, cohort, but that is rare. Yeah, okay. It was actually a rare um, kind of occasion. Yeah. Usually it's one, maybe two mm. um, per cohort. So we use yeah. at the university I went to, we used the cohort model. Um, and so, yeah, my program, it was kind of unheard of. <laughs> so in your practice now, because, I mean, you're, you're very clear on you know, the populations that you really want to serve because they are underserved populations. Are you hearing from people who walk in your door or sit down, you know, in the room with you? There's just been no one for me to connect with, no one to talk to, or no one who looks like me. I don't feel heard or seen. Like, so are we those do hear that. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry to mean to cut you You're off. You're good, girl. <laughs> I was just saying, are you? Are you? Are these conversations you hear and that you have? Yeah, these are absolutely conversations that yeah. we hear. You know, um, and what this is what I find interesting. My very first client at Ubuntu is actually um, a white was a white woman. Wow. Um, um, who identifies um, as a lesbian, right? Yeah. But she came and she said. I want a black clinician because yeah. all of the times that I've needed somebody to be real and be honest and really give me what I needed. It's from a black woman. It was from a black woman. <laughs> and I was like, come on in here, sis. Come on in here. <laughs> Take a seat because I will get you together. Uh, <laughs> and I did. She's still with me. She is actually still with me. She was the together. very first session and she still comes to me like every, uh, every month, every, yeah. you know. 
But we definitely hear that. Like I've had clients that were like, oh, my gosh, like I have been fine looking yeah. for um, a, a black therapist. I have been looking for a therapist of color. Like, you know, um, I have a couple that's told me because I had to transition because, you know, I got my doctorate mm-hmm. and, and moving to more yeah, you've moved your counsel, like, yeah, and you've moved your practice education. as well, right? Mm-hmm. You moved the practice mm-hmm. and all of that. And I'm moving more towards a teaching mm-hmm. um, practice as well. Um, so many clinicians of color don't have mentors yeah, of color of right? color because there's not a lot of counselor educators of color in these programs. Yeah. I had one black professor doing my master's yeah. um, program, and she was actually an adjunct faculty. She mm-hmm. was not even full time. She later served on my dissertation committee. Oh, wow. All right. But that's what you see a lot of the times because it's so rare for us to be able to find someone in the field that looks like us. Mm. So I'm kind of transitioning to do that. But I hear that from um, future clinicians of color and you hear it from clients about this is what I'm needing and kind of why. Um, And it's a real gift to be able to validate that for them as well to say that that's okay. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, and that's what... (laughs) That's what you're doing, right? And so mm-hmm. much of your practice is validation. It's it's the listening. It's the validation. It's the questioning of like, mm-hmm. hey, let's, like you were saying earlier before we even pressed record, you said, we don't cancel people. <laughs> we counsel people. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's so much of what you're doing. Like, yeah, for I sure. I just love that. Tell me about your approach, like how you see your role as a therapist. Do you see it as I'm a, I'm a listener? Do you see it as I'm a validator? How do you kind of like describe what you do? Yeah, so here's, I'm, I'm all of that, um, but I'm what my client needs me to be like in the moment. Yeah. But what's really funny is like, well, one, I'm authentic. Yeah. I am an authentic counselor. If I don't know how to help you, I will say, I don't know how to help you, but I'll figure it out. You know, I'm like, we'll figure it out. But I'm like, I don't know, Um, but I'm real. And I tell them in my intakes, what you see in me Mm. is what shows up. So I'm honest with them. Mm -hmm. I'm authentic with them. It's really funny. And like any of my clients who ends up seeing this when it comes out, they dubbed me as the wig snatching therapist. What does that mean? Right. So the wig snatching therapist means that when you come to me and they're like, you didn't have to read me. Right. Or you did not have to, like, tell my whole life like that. Or you did not have to get me together like that. Like, I don't, I'm not ready to address these things. You know what I mean? Like you call them and out. Like, I call them out. I call them out to the carpet. But every last one of my clients know that I'm calling you out and I'm right there with you. Yeah. And we're going to, like, clean you up and shake you off and change your tra- trajectory and then send you on your way. So I always tell them we have to snatch your wig, <laughs> right? And then we can put it back on straight. <laughs> they told me that and I thought that was uh, too funny. They was like, because yeah, you get us together. But I think just being able to, <laughs> just being able to like kind of confront them with those things yeah. that they have been um, experiencing and those types of things and helping them see that there's another way. Yeah, I, I didn't realize until... I don't, probably this year. I didn't. I think like outside looking in for someone who's listening who maybe has never seen a therapist or doesn't have a like committed relationship with <laughs> you know someone who's like a mental health professional. Um, maybe you have the same misunderstanding that I had, which is or which was I should say that you see a therapist and every therapist is the same, or you has have one person and then like you're going to have a connection with them right off the bat. That's just not the case. No. Like you have to find someone who gets you, 
who you get, who you trust, who you love, like who like immediate. I I would say immediately because I'm someone who just feels things immediately. So mm-hmm. for me, it's like. I had to, with the woman I'm with now, who's like my therapist and like my gift from God, like she is amazing. (laughs) I felt in the first time meeting her, I'm like, you are my person. You are who I need to be with. Conversely, I had another situation many, many months ago where I met one time with this therapist and I left and I'm like, this is not my person. But I thought maybe therapy's not for me is like what I actually Mm, left thinking mm -hmm. because really what it was is that person just wasn't my person. Absolutely. So like talk to me about that, like the importance of finding someone who's your person, who you get, who gets you, you know. And you're right. Sometimes it does happen right off the bat, Um, you know, and that's great, but that's not the case um, for everyone. But I'm going to say, you know, that's a myth that therapy is not for me. Therapy is for everyone. I'm a therapist and I have a therapist. My therapist got me through grad school, <laughs> you know, they'll get me through, you know, all of these next journeys and different things Business like that. Business ownership. So I think, yeah. yes, I think that there's also this thing, um, not only with, this is not my person, right, but therapy is not for me. I'm not yeah. that bad yeah. to get um, therapy, but life is rough, right? And we need mm. all of the supports that we can get. Yeah. So, you know, I always tell people, like, start with three referrals, do consultations, go meet with them, see how you feel. If they don't work, you mark them off your list and you find three more people. And you don't stop until you find that person that you really do feel like you can connect with. Yeah. Other thing I'll say to your point um, is that sometimes, just like anything, you have a therapist that takes you a certain place Mm. and that's what they're great for. And then you need something different. Yeah. For your next stage of growth. For your next stage of growth. You know, um, my current therapist is actually um, an Asian American therapist, but my first therapist was white. Mm-hmm. And she helped me a lot, you know, like yeah. she helped me and we kind of dropped in. And there's a lot of key things that I learned from her. Mm-hmm. But then at some point in my growth and the things that I needed, I knew that I needed a, or wanted a minority, mm-hmm. um, you know, therapist to be able to process other things surrounding yeah. like ethnic identity and, mm-hmm. you know, dismantling these systems and right. how, you know, oppression likes to hide behind yeah. words like professionalism and, <laughs> you know, oh. and just different things like that. Um, so, um, so yes, just keep going, you know, yeah. like keep going. Like I, I'm kind of like you in the sense where I can feel immediately, yeah. um, you know, and I've been very blessed to be able to do that. But if that's not, you know, people's jam, then it's like, I, I always like to use metaphors. I'm actually a huge metaphor person. Right. Okay. And so one of the things, um, and I guess this is for the, the ladies out there. Right. But like our favorite pair of jeans, <laughs> There is nothing like our favorite pair of jeans, right? True. The ones that like hug you in all the right places yep. and they, you know, lift and tuck where you need, right? <laughs> but we don't stop until we find those perfect pair yeah. of jeans, right? Because it's important to us or getting our hair done mm-hmm. or our nails or to the fellas, right? Those sneakers, <laughs> you know, those sneakers or those joggers or, you know, all of the things, yeah. right? Everyone, regardless of gender, race, yeah. we have these things that are important to us and we don't stop mm. until we get what we want or until we get what we need. So yeah. sometimes it's not that, um, I think people think like, it's not for me, I don't need it because we learn that when our needs aren't met, sometimes we just like, well, then the needs don't matter. But what you want to do is you find a different way to get the needs met. Mm. 
you know, this whole season is about lessons. Um, I feel like we're all connected. And especially as women, there's so many things that we each deal with that once you have gone through it in your life, you are qualified to teach on mm -hmm. this subject. Mm -hmm. And so I want to know from your perspective, what is a lesson that you either consistently are learning all the time, that it just keeps coming up, or is there a lesson that you're learning in real time that you want to talk about today? Yeah. Ooh, I knew it was coming. And you even know when it. you say it, I'm like, ooh, you know, get a little shimmy in the shoulders. <laughs> You know, so I, I would say my lesson is kind of both, right? One that I feel like I have to keep learning over and over again, but one that I'm also learning in real time. And I would say, um, as we've kind of talked, is living in abundance. Mm. You know, living in abundance in all areas, not just yeah. some areas, right? Not just your bank account and really not even anything materialistically, but as a person. Yeah. Showing up as a full person um, in spite of, you know, mm. when we've kind of talked earlier about my ACES scores, you yeah. know, that teaches you in some ways to um, be so, in survival mode yeah. um, or to operate out of scarcity. And then I, yeah. I am a therapist. And so a lot of times I'm reaching down in the depths to pull people up. So I'm kind of surrounded by yeah. this lack yeah. pretty often, you know, it's just it's job hazard, you know, um, <laughs> or product job work product, as, yeah. as we say. And it's not a bad thing, but you don't start to realize how limited, you know. And so for me, it's really about learning that line between limited and limitless. Mm. You know, well, I mean, that's I would feel like it's more than a line. It's a chasm, right? Yes. I mean, like to, there's, this is a deep divide to yes. get yourself from one side of that Grand Canyon to the other. It's big. Yes. So just living. But, um, you know, and. I think there's a theory about abundance too, right? You okay. know, th this theory of like, this is what it means to be abundant and this is what abundance looks like. But then practice, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you can have a theory, but it doesn't show up or translate into practice. Mm. Or sometimes you can have a practice, but it's not backed up by theory. Yeah. You know what I mean? So really learning how to um, pull those both together to make them closer and more in tandem rather than either or is, okay. is what I'm learning. Tell me how it's fleshed out in your life. Like, so that's big picture, abundance, okay. how it plays out. Give me specifics where this is coming through in your life for you. Yeah, specific. So being here, <laughs> being like um, so happy to be here. I think I've said that already, but so, but there was, um, I can honestly say that today when I woke up, I was like, okay, it's time to go be a badass, right? Like it is. <laughs> It's time to go show up and it's time for me to get out there and I'm going to go and I'm going to speak and I'm going to speak from a place of wholeness. Right. Yeah. But like a few months ago, if you would have asked me to do this, I probably would have been like, oh, I don't want I don't want to be on camera. Like, I don't I don't want people to to see me. Mm. It's like, yeah, like I'll be a badass over here where the yeah. lights are, you know, shining somewhere different. Yeah. Um, so that I think or maybe you'll oh, yeah, be you'll be bad in the shadows. But oh, you yeah. didn't want to be bad in the light. Oh, yeah, I'm bad in the shadows. <laughs> you know? But learning how to do that, you know, I think um, learning, especially like even transitioning and now that I'm a doctor and realizing that, you know, like, yes, I'm still, you know, uh, 
a therapist. I will always be, you know, mm. a therapist. Um, but then realizing, like, I'm not a master's level therapist anymore. I'm a doctoral level therapist mm. and what that means, yeah. um, you know. Like stepping into that, like embracing all that, the things that you are. Embracing in, in that and saying, you know, when someone says, do I call you Paquita or Dr. P and saying, like, Dr. P because that's abundance for me, yeah. right? Ooh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's a but so learning how to really walk mm. in this with this new title, but not even just the title, but the responsibility that I hold pretty near and dear mm. to my heart. Um about yeah, you that, earned right? that. Like I earned it. And it's also what's gonna help me or what is helping me walk alongside other people, right? Yeah. So Ubuntu, like really living um yeah. that that Ubuntu. So I think that um, my relationship. I, I I love my man so much. I met him and he's so cute. <laughs> I know he's and he's cutest. got this like he's got this like swagger, Ooh, yes. like this mm. like suave, like he's, I know. he's cute. I know, girl. Thank you. <laughs> I know. I was like, he is cool. Like yes. really, really like very but GQ. Like yes. he's got this vibe. He's a whole vibe. Yes, he is a whole vibe. Um, but even and how we've been showing, like how I've been showing up in my relationship with him, you know. Um, and um, expecting the best from him, you know, mm. which he is so happy to give and I'm so happy yeah. to give. But that helps me give my best to him. You know what I mean? And like, uh, so there's a there's a trend right now going on called black girl softness. I don't know if you've heard I about it. I don't. Tell me. Tell me about so it. So black girl softness, like... Um, and my dissertation was on like the strong black woman, right? Okay. Like never let them see you sweat. Like you take in, you, yeah. you know, do what yeah. you need to do, yeah. you know, at all costs. Like the high functioning um, woman you were talking like the about earlier. Woman, okay. Right. And so we've kind of, we're shifting that to what we call black girl softness, you know, okay. it's like delegate, ask mm. for help, mm. you know, go hang out with your man. That's like the like, presentation can like wait. <laughs> allowing the feminine, right? Like the feminine masculine yes. energy is yes. like allow, step into the feminine. Really allowing ourselves to do that, you know, and so learning what abundance looks like as a partner, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Not expecting the, the cleanup or like, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed. Thank you for being here, right? Yeah. But it's like all of it. It's, like that feels like a codependency almost, like saying in that way of like, Ah, I can't manage it, but you're here and you can do it and you mm -hmm. can do it for me and I need you. Right. And well, and then getting mad, right? When when he doesn't do it, that's the codependency <laughs> part, right? We we call it it's like a rescue, control, or fix, you know. Mm. Um, and then you feel victimized because they didn't do it, and now you're like angry and upset and resentful, right? And you just keep bouncing in this triangle, yeah. so Yuck. to speak. Um, but also being this strong black woman, right, that's also foreign, right? So it's mm -hmm. like, where do you find the line between being self-sufficient mm. and it's, I can get it and, and, and soft. being soft, yeah. you know? Um, so that's really, really playing out, especially like in this new phase that I'm at, right? Like how mm -hmm. to have an abundant relationship. Mm. Um, you know, my niece and nephew, who are also my favorite people, like what abundance as their auntie looks like. They love their auntie. <laughs> <laughs> My nephew said, Auntie, can I just go everywhere with you all oh, of the time? <laughs> you how know old is he? he just turned four. And oh, my, my, heart. my niece oh. will be seven on Saturday. Oh so gosh. I'll give her birthday shout out. So when she turns 18, she'll see that her, her auntie, auntie loves her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like showing up in those ways, yeah. um, even in uh, the way my look, that's another thing, trying to ex uh, um, exude abundance in how mm. I look, right? Like I've often been told that I just have this light about me, right? Mm. And it's like people just want to plug into you. Like people just want to be around you. You yeah. light up a room. Yeah. Um, 
But you know, that's a gift, by the way. Like that says something we don't. You can't teach someone that. You are born with that. Yes, thank you. I hope you you know that, right? Like you just get born with that. That was a gift. (laughs) That was a a gift you were given to go through life. And so I think even that that abundance is being able to see that as a gift and not as this responsibility that it has previously felt like, Mm. right? You know, it's like okay, like everybody's plugging into me, (laughs) right? But like, don't don't plug into me. Like I'm trying to chill over here, you know. I'm trying to get something else done. So, but being that light, you know, yeah. even when um, hard things happen, right? Even when um, nobody would blame me, right, mm-hmm. for like turning inward and like you know yeah. cutting the light off or anything yeah. like that. So, I, I, yeah, I don't. Was that specific enough? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that because here, the way I see each of these episodes is like. You come in, you you being any any guest, you come in, you teach your lesson, you talk about what it is that you're learning, and whoever's listening at home, they get to learn mm, from mm-hmm. your perspective what it means to be you or what it means to feel this way. Absolutely. And I feel like we don't we don't have to learn all the lessons ourselves. God help us. Like if we all had to go through all the lessons, that would be awful. <laughs> it would but be. <laughs> if I can learn a lesson and I can teach it, and then you can learn a lesson and you can teach it, and this person can learn, and this person, this one, and then we share all of those lessons, maybe I'm learning a lesson that's for someone else. Absolutely. And they're hearing it and they're going, that. That's what I needed to hear. That's what this podcast is about. Absolutely. So I'm. So me you asking got, you, like, you got Ubuntu down. Girl. I got it. You got Ubuntu down. <laughs> you might be a little on, honorary Ubuntu. <laughs> <laughs> I can be in the tribe. <laughs> yes. I can be a. I can be a, an elder in the tribe. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like that's what it, to me. Like that's what it's about. It's about mm-hmm. being able to show people that we can do this together. Absolutely. I can teach you. I can learn from you mm-hmm. and I can save you heartache. Just listen to my story. I can save Absolutely. you heartache or I've been there and here's how and here's how it fleshed out in my life and here's what I learned and here's how I'm mm-hmm. highly functioning since then. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Absolutely. There's a strength that you also learn that comes with that softness mm. as well, right? But it's like this silent, gentle strength, you know? But I think that when you um, are coming from a place of abundance and not that like it doesn't mean that those things aren't there yeah you know what I mean like I'm fully aware that if I don't pay the rent right that the (laughs) or you don't make money or that I don't make money and like all of those things (laughs) but it's not allowing those things to define how you move and so I one of the things I love about Amstigator right which I know you're probably going to get to that is purpose Mm. but if you show up in purpose everything else will align yeah yeah. And purpose is something that you have to feel, right? You have to feel it through your oh, yeah, heart. You like it's not, you it. can't think your way into purpose. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Absolutely. And it's yours, right? Yeah. And so the thing is, you can't be talked into it, right? But you also can't be talked out of it. Right. Because right? if this is your path, I mean, it's your it's just your role to embrace it and move forward. And listen, and it, you were going to walk that path, <laughs> right? You were going to walk it. You yeah. were going to walk it. I'm just curious, do people ever come to you asking about purpose or is that like an underlying thing? Like, oh, I just yeah. feel like I need meaning or and maybe what are the words that you hear from Absolutely. People? I mean, I think that sometimes it's like an underlying thing. But what I hear or when it comes to purpose is really it's a lot of helping people unlearn. There's not a lot of 
most people don't really need to learn what their purpose is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I think you are born with that. I think it is a gift. And I think it's those things that you don't know how you know, but you know that you know, yeah. and you know something that other yeah. people don't know, you know. <laughs> um, but it's a lot of unlearning, yeah. meaning our social conditioning, yeah. um, our survival techniques, our trauma, our disappointments, our unhealthy relationships, our um, less than ideal family situations, mm -hmm. all of those things sometimes can get in the way and really muddy what people think is their purpose or what mm -hmm. they deem to be I love as that. their purpose. So a lot of times it's really getting in it with them and kind of saying, oh, wait a minute, but is that your voice or is that someone else's voice? That's you know. Right. Um, and so one of my favorite things that I like to offer to my clients and I'll offer to, you know, anyone is don't make choices based on consequences that other people aren't going to have to deal with. Mm. You know, so it's yeah. easy for me to say, hey, Lauren, like, no, don't do that, girl. Like, you need to stop this, you know, and you might do that. But then you have to deal with the consequences of not being in purpose. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, no, you you're know right. what I mean? You're right. And so I think that's always really something that I try to hone in with people all of yeah. the time is like people will understand the impact will come. Income will come, acceptance will come, but it always starts sometimes with just being in purpose and trusting it yeah. for yourself. I love that, though, that being a barometer, the consequences being a barometer. Mm -hmm. You know, does this person face the consequence or do you? But I, you know, it probably does get a little muddy because in some ways, like I'm just thinking about a situation so that you can have my hypothetical. What if I do something and my parents say, and I'm a grown woman, but please believe, like, and my parents <laughs> say, don't do that, blah, 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 blah even as me as an adult, like I'm fully going to take consequences, but don't they also in some ways take consequences if the consequence is, let's just say shame, for example, or disapproval? Don't they also receive a part of the consequence? I mean, they could, but we are also like, as much as we are connected, we are so um, individuals, you yeah. know what I mean, so to speak. And so it's, it's still their responsibility to manage their consequences for themselves because mm -hmm. even though they may feel shame, right? Let's just say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's probably their stuff and still not yours. Yeah. Does that does that make oh, sense? Oh yeah, it makes total sense. <laughs> and I found, gosh, the first time I ever learned that lesson um, was actually I was twenty five, and learning twenty five is a good age. Twenty five. It's rough, but it's good. I'm just gonna tell you. <laughs> My 20s sucked. <laughs> so, like, if it was good for you, great. Things got better for me at about 27. And right. then things, like, started All getting right. better. But good <laughs> Lord, my 20s. Whoo, they were bad. Yeah. And not and not for any decisions I made. It was, like, just one after the next. Yeah, like, get kicked down, get kicked down, get treated like crap. Like, everywhere you turn. Like, mm -hmm. like the world was against me. Like, that's what yes. my 20s felt like. It felt horrible. 20s are a time of transition. For sure. Ooh. I'm probably saying it was a good age because I'm far removed from, from 25 now. <laughs> Doesn't Same. look like it, but you Same. know what I mean? But I'm Same. far removed now. Um, but it is a time yeah. of transition. But go ahead. I'm yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, For 25, 25 was the first time I'd ever realized, like, that someone can put something on you mm. that's not yours. That's like, that was the yours. first yes. time. And I Ooh. had to, like, I think of it like, here's the, you give metaphors, I do too. I do a lot of, like, this is how I see this. Mm-hmm. Think of when you've got necklaces that are all tangled and you've got like a rat's nest of necklaces. Mm -hmm. That's what my emotions were. That's what all the conditioning was, the expectation, all that was like that rat's yeah. nest. I had to spend time untangling, untangling the it. necklaces yes. to where I could get them as nice 
and straight and realize, oh, this is my emotion, but that's their expectation, that's their projection, that's their problem. It was... It, it was hard. hard. It is so, so hard. hard. And I think I think that's the other thing, too, when um, I get clients that are coming in and things like that. It's like, this is going to be hard. Yeah. And I say, you know, but what's also hard is living the way that you're living right now and kind of being on this hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. So we have to choose between which hard we're going to go. Yeah. And so we might as well choose the, the hard, hard that brings that, healing. That's going to bring healing and take us where we need to go and kind of where we're headed. Yeah. But absolutely, you do start to realize um, we are products of our environment, yeah. right? If we are um, connected, which you and I both believe deeply, right, then that also means that sometimes we're plugged into some things that are not always the healthiest or the brightest or, you know, um, those things. So we have to kind of shift and be able to make that transition sometimes to say, oh, like, no, that's not my. And what you find kind of going back to abundance is that sometimes people put their scarcity on you and now it's snuggled up to you because it needs just a little mustard seed. You know how we say faith of a mustard seed? I say it needs fear of a mustard seed, that scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. It just needs a little bit and it snuggles up and then you are denying yourself things um, that are well within your right, your birthright. And within your power. And within your power. So I recently just brought me a new car, a luxury car. Good right? for you. Love my little car. It floats. <laughs> right. So that's another thing, like, you know, abundance. So I was but I was like, no, like I don't need to, you know, get this and I don't need to do this and blah, blah, blah. And, I, and then I sat and I was like, I'm a whole doctor. I'm a whole doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Not a half of a doctor. You know, I'm like, I'm a whole doctor. Like, um, I know how to do a budget. Like I have well with this is yeah, well this within is my I means. Can do this. But for so long, you know what I mean? Just that like make smart decisions, you know, don't do this, don't do that, and all of those things, and having to realize, like, wait a minute. Yep. I have surpassed some of these limits to where some of those things were relevant at the time, but I'm not there anymore. You don't know this, but you are actually speaking to me right now. <laughs> this is this is what I am. I, I'm telling you, I'm learning this lesson in real time on Friday. So just a handful of days ago on Friday, I learned this lesson. The same one that you just named where I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of a contract negotiation. We just settled on money moving mm-hmm. forward at the television station. OK, mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. you deal with money, then you deal with terms and I am not going to lie, y'all. Like, I've been driving a 21-year-old car <laughs> with, with 220,000 miles it's, it's in the time, same Lord. way. In the same way. And my husband even says to me, he's like, when the hell are you going to get yourself? He, and he's like, this is not this is not about image. Not at all. He's like, that car is going to break down on you and going to mm-hmm. leave you stranded. And I'm mm-hmm. he's like, and I'm going to help you. But then I'm going to laugh because for, <laughs> right. six, you know, for all this time. Right. And please believe mm-hmm. I, I also have my budget. I also know I have more than enough. To do it. To do. Yes. To buy myself a car. To buy yourself. Well, same. I mean, like, I mean on seriously, Friday, same. same like, and I was like, oh, I'm going to ride. Oh, I had a Rogue before this. And I loved my Rogue. I did. I rode it to the wheels fell off you know like right now it's sitting in the driveway like on a flat like I rode it you know I traveled with it and all of those things but like you said just realizing like why 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 have I done this it is it is truly living in scarcity and that's how it's been for me Mm -hmm. and I realized like for so long and this was just probably also back to my 20s like in those formative years of like starting my career 
and not there wasn't enough. So yeah, like I did have to mm-hmm. be really, really careful about, you know, what I spent and that sort of thing. I yeah. am so far yeah, past that point. Like, yeah. but you forget, right? Past you that forget. Point. I think that's the tricky thing about scarcity too. Is like, it's like, okay, I don't have enough, but we don't check back in with it, right, and see how it's expanded. It just kind of says, oh, you still, yeah. you still don't have enough. Well, and I, I've been like conditioning myself to think that it's not, it's not a scarcity issue. What it is, I'm being smart. Right. I'm right. being an adult. Mm-hmm. I'm taking care. I'm thinking long term mm-hmm. here. I'm being practical. Like I, I am someone who just in life, I am practical, sometimes practical to a fault. Mm-hmm. But I think I've allowed some of my practicality to actually oh, yeah. become scarcity. And I look at this car yeah. situation. <laughs> yeah. And literally, I learned this lesson on Friday, a few days ago, like where and and we cannot learn lessons until we ourselves learn them. It doesn't matter what other people Absolutely. say to us. We have to be ready. You have to be online. You have to be mm-hmm. online for that lesson. <laughs> and I was online on Friday. It was the realization of like, no, I really have more than enough. I don't need to be concerned about this. And so I downloaded an app and started searching for cars. Yes. <laughs> and maybe next time I see you, Dr. Yes, P, you have I, a will, new car. I will not have a 22-year-old car with 220,000 miles on it. Like, like when you think about the image of me, that is not what you think of, right? Like, No, not at all. Not at all. That's Especially not a 20-something-old you know, car. But, oh you know, I gosh. think even that, like, I think in some ways I was also, um, I think scarcity also showed up in, like, um, I talk about how sometimes our transformation can be a threat to others, meaning our relationships with other people. Your close relationships, too. Your close relationships. And so I was, how scarcity was showing up for me a little bit was like, well, is somebody going to think I'm better than them? Are they going to think like, oh, like she's a doctor now and now she Mm. thinks she's blah, blah, blah. You know, all of the things, right? And so um, my, my man that, you know, I love. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, why do you want this car? Why do you want this car? And I really just didn't even have a full answer for him at the time. But then I was riding in that car and I, you know, he's very practical too. You all would uh, bond. <laughs> so very, he'd be like, I love your 22 year old. He probably would. He's, <laughs> he'd be, is it still running? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's so funny. He's going to hate me for this. But one time I said something, I'm like, you know, I want you to be like more uh, romantic. Like, come on, like, what can we do? And he's like, Panties bills is romantic. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like, well, it is. All right. Thank you. <laughs> I, I took care of this. Make, making his money is romantic. You know? But no, he's he has grown very good in that. But that practical, you know, and so for him, it's never like a no you can't have, but he always just wants to kind of like understand, yeah. you know? And I was like, but this is for me yeah. as my symbol of the promises mm. and Ooh. the hard work. You know what I mean? That, the that became a mindfulness my tool. Life, right. And I mean, I'm just driving in it and it had nothing to do with anybody. When I get in that car and I love it just as much as I loved my rogue, you know, but <laughs> it was symbolic for me. Yeah. And to take notice and to take stock of like what that felt like. Yeah. You know, totally. So. And then I, I do love that as and I do think the word mindfulness gets thrown around too much, but I and I don't want it to feel cliche. However, when you step into that car, you feel that. And that's a reminder mm-hmm. to you, which then becomes a mindfulness tool. That's a reminder Absolutely. for you that, I mean, that you are abundant. You're right. Mindfulness is just paying attention on purpose. Paying attention on purpose, right? Like not missing those little moments that come up that are trying to um, tell you something. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. how you make that so simple. 
paying attention on purpose. Yeah. That's kind of one of my specialties. <laughs> Just make people, and people say that to me, they're like, how did you make this so simple? Oh, it's, well, that's also a gift, right? Like that, and I, let me reflect to you for a moment. Yeah. Like as you, as you don't, <laughs> as, as you're not maybe seeing yourself as clearly, because I do feel like we all have blindness when it comes mm-hmm. to self. So it requires the stillness of a, a, you know, still waters on the other side, a nice little mirror yeah. to get a real reflection. You people don't just have that ability. That is something that is a gift. So like when we start putting our gifts together, mm-hmm. you know, that I feel like is also part of what creates this beautiful picture of purpose, you know, yeah. an ability to take something that could be really that is actually very complex and simplify it to the point that others can understand it. Yeah. yeah. You, you do that, girl. Thank you. I want to I want to stay on this idea of scarcity cuz I I wonder in that same hypothetical um, that woman that you that you described earlier in our conversation, you said a, a high functioning, um, you know, black woman who is doing great and getting whatever. Maybe she's getting all these accolades in the public eye, but then is losing it when she's alone. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much that woman deals with scarcity. Yeah, um, I think for me, and I can speak to me with that is that I didn't realize that it was scarcity, right? Mm -hmm. Because I had all of these strategies and all of these things in place um, that hit it, so to speak, Mm -hmm. right? And it kind of messes with your brain just as much. But I think it keeps that high functioning, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So what it does, or what it did for me was it kept me so hyper-focused on the responsibility of being high functioning, right? Mm-hmm. And like, okay, I got to show up and yeah. I got to do this. It was and it was there. draining and it wasn't fulfilling mm-hmm. and it wasn't sustaining. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there was just all of these different types of things um, that were going on. But it's like, but I got what I prayed for. You know, yeah. I got a condo, yeah. you know, oh, everybody thinks I'm so great. But then when you're at home by yourself and not reflecting that for yourself and you're like, who am I? Oh, You know, how do Ooh. I just be? Can I just be if I if I stop high functioning, what is going to be left? Yeah, and that's a real fear. And I dealt with it's that. A hard, I it's a, still deal with that, right? You know, and so I think that um, I was starting to get bogged down, and that's what brings a lot of high functioning uh, women um, to um, counseling, right? It's like you know that you were going to be a badass, so to speak, but something isn't clicking. Yeah. You don't have the energy. You don't have the matters of your heart aren't showing through, right? And you're just kind of living day to day um, to get by. And again, that's scarcity, doing just enough Mm. so that people don't peek behind the curtain, (laughs) right? Here's the smoke. Yes, here's Here's the the smoke. smoke. Don't look. Don't don't find me out. (laughs) Or that they just say, hey, I've had enough. You know what I mean? Like, I've had enough. Um, And so... Um, not asking for help, not asking for those things. And one thing I started realizing as I started shifting out of that, right, is I'm like, who am I to deny other people their purpose? Maybe mm. that was their purpose in that moment <laughs> to mm. do something for me, you know, but I let yeah. my own scarcity kind of block that. Oh. Um, and so for me, that was something that helped me undo it. You know, who am I to block people from the blessing? From like, the blessing. They, if they want to bless you. Right. Who yeah. am I? Wow. Like, you know, and so I, you know, we always say, oh, uh, I want to be blessed, right? Like I want abundance, but then we get in our own way, so to speak. And I think for high functioning people, getting in your own way is just another form of scarcity. This is something that I only just this year started learning. And I feel like when you, for me, like I'm 37. So when you spend 37 years doing 
like seeing life one way or functioning one way. And then you start realizing, hey, there's a different way. There's a healthier way. And I need to challenge some of my mm, thinking on this. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's not just like you make a decision one day and it's, oh, we good. Like it's oh, not like not that. You know, it's like a yes. constant thing. So like just even hearing you say this, I'm like, mm-hmm. this is my reminder today. For sure. This is my like, reminder today. I was today. just reading something. Um, and it was actually, I'm, I'm teaching a course right now on death and dying. But um, we were talking about... Uh, giving yourself, giving the bereaved people permission to backslide. Mm. And so we have, um, I love my students, you know, so we've had really good conversations, not just about death and dying as far as like individuals, we as individuals, death and dying, but our expectations, Mm. our dreams, our ways of being, like, you Mm. know, all of these different types of things. And so I think these lessons, right, you start, some days you're like, I got it. And then something happens and you backslide, right? Or you forget, you know, like you when you buy this car, because it's happening, it's always going to happen. Like I actually, here's the funny thing is I already see the car. I know what it's, it's, but I would. It's done, right? It's done. And then you get it and then you click off of it and you're like, okay, like I'm not ready to, to buy buy it yet you know and then you go back to it and you click on it. I did that three times with my car that's so I might be projecting <laughs> you know but I did and I clicked off and I was like oh I'm not ready you know yeah. and then I went back to it and then finally I was like just do it you know yeah. but I think that's also how you show up um that mindfulness right that you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. is when you pay attention on purpose you can pivot pretty sooner you know yeah. what I mean? And so I think it's all, it's not a, it's purpose is not a destination, right? Ooh. Abundance is not a destination. Yep. These are processes. Yeah. The abundance and the purpose are the product. Totally. Right. But we want to be process oriented um, and not necessarily product oriented. You were speaking my language. Have you listened to all my episodes? I have not. <laughs> this, you know, I have not. I have not even, this, you know, I this is got some catching time. up to do, girl. Yeah, I, know. Yeah, I got a huge back catalog, I Dr. Know, P. You can know. listen through. Well, when I met you, it's so funny. Like, you remember when we met, because Dr. P and I haven't even known each other very long. I met um, her because she was receiving an award for the work that she's done, mm-hmm. and I just happened to be emceeing this event from another um beloved former podcast guest, uh, Charlie Nelson, who's one of the founders of mm-hmm. Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery here in Nashville. And he's got an awesome story. And so I love those guys, he and his brother who started that. And um, I love to support them. They give an award every year to three women who are just basically doing incredible things, making change, um, propping up the community in just an incredible way. And so I was emceeing that awards. And that's when I met you. Mm-hmm. And I knew within a couple of minutes, I'm like, Wow, you are you're my kind of people. Like you are mine. Like you're, yes. we belong together, Doctor P. We were just sitting there, just to chat yeah. and you were like, "Yeah, come on my podcast." And I'm like, "Yeah, like I'm gonna come." And then you ended up emailing me, and I was like, "Oh, she really emailed oh, me." I don't, I don't blow smoke. Like <laughs> yeah, if I, I say something, well, it's real. It's not that I don't either, right? But I think you know, I was like, "All right, like let's do it." So yeah, absolutely. And then you found the pants, and you're like, "Well, and then I found pants. the pants." I'm telling you, I really did. I saw them and. I was like, because I bought them maybe a few weeks ago, and I kept saying I need to go get them him. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, it's Tuesday. Like, yeah. you know, like, I got to get these hemmed. And I did. <laughs> this is the hashtag short girl problems, isn't it? Like, I it know, is, girl. It is. It is. And someone was like, oh, you can just put a heel on with them. And I was like, no, Mm-mm. not these. Mm-mm. Not these. Yeah, so. and I think, you, I mean, for me, like, I'm at a certain age where I'm like, I only wear heels if I have oh, yes. to. Like, it has yes. to be 
have to. Have to, yes. Like, there has to be a significant reason why, because otherwise I'm in Absolutely. flat. Like, I'm too old for that. Yeah, so I'll, I'll add this too. So I actually uh, recently had an, someone else had done like a profile story on me, right? Mm-hmm. And it was actually uh, quite triggering for me. I'll be completely really? honest about that and not at all what I expected. Um, and I remember, um, and I mean, this literally just happened like last week, you oh, know, wow. um, it's just speaking to that backsliding, right? Of like, was it the interview or was it reading the product I think that it triggered? was the way that it was written. Um, oh, okay. and I okay. think it was maybe one of those moments where as it was happening, I kind of knew, but maybe mm. I didn't speak up the way I thought, mm. That I did, okay, so to speak. And so I just, I didn't like the way, um, I felt like I was portrayed like as a victim, <laughs> oh. um, which I'm, I mean, I am a victim and I'm a survivor. I think we have that, you know, equally, but I didn't like that. But neither here or there, right? Um, it really just reminded, after I came out of my shame spiral, you know, yeah. like we said, backsliding, like, oh my gosh, people are going to know this about me. What are they going to think? You yeah. know, and it just really reminded me of how important it is for us to take control of our narrative, right? Ooh, and to share, yeah. make sure that we're sharing our narratives with people that can honor your mm-hmm. narratives, right? So I say all that to say, days of processing this, right? And someone goes, uh, well, this is probably going to change how you review uh, like journalists and reporters mm-hmm. um, and all of that. And in the back of my mind, I was like, no, because me and Laura about to kick it, you know? <laughs> You know, and so I just want to like reflect back to you and I guess do my my human thing, but also my therapist thing is like, thank you for being able to create this space where you can honor people's story and give them space to take control of those narratives. So I feel um, this was never in question. Oh, it was never in question whether or not I was going to show up, even with that very recent Mm. kind of like traumatic thing. So I was filled with joy to be here um, yeah. today. And no, there was no scarcity. You know, there was no, yeah. um, I, I knew that this was going to be authentic conversation and that we were going to be able to uh, move forward, right? But have that space with me sharing my narrative and that you have what it takes to hold the space for that. So thank you Girl, for that. <laughs> what an honor. I feel really seen right now because like truly even the way that you're describing what I do, that's how I describe it. Because I look at it as like, well, I don't, I mean, I have my story, but you have your story. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, it, it, some of it comes down to the way in which a person asks questions. They, I, I see this with young or inexperienced question askers. I'm not just mm-hmm. going to say journalists mm-hmm. because there's people, you know, like you could oh, be, I know. you I could be therapists, <laughs> right? Like you ask questions for a living, uh-huh. right? Yep. And so sometimes a question can be at, not sometimes, oftentimes an inexperienced asker mm-hmm. can ask questions that like lead the witness as they would Absolutely. say in a courtroom, yes. like, or that, that garner a response because this is the way you're leaning you're you're leading someone absolutely Um, and i and i just try i try it i feel like that's always something that i can learn is how do i ask questions better even myself as a therapist and as i train new clinicians we talk about that all of the time is like how do you kind of take a back seat Mm. i think the the um the other thing is when we're translating it, right? Like, how does it show up in translation as well, right? Because I think that when you only tell one part of the story, yeah, right, it's incomplete. You know, so different things like that. But questions, I used to ask in my intakes, right? I used to say, um, what was your relationship like with your mom growing up? 
you know, and I would ask about the whole family. People, like, it was good, it was fine, really, it was okay. And I'm like, that's all you'd get. I'm like, I know moms have been keeping therapists in business for years, so, <laughs> so, so, you know, so this, I heard someone else, and like, uh, I heard someone else doing this intake. Shout out to all the moms out there. Dads are keeping people, keeping us in business too, and partners, and everybody, and children, and everybody. Um, but. Um, I heard another clinician ask, and you know, she said, "What? So, what was it like having your mom as a mom growing up?" Oh, I, and when that, I feel I, that it hit feels me different. different. I felt that differently. Yes. In my, actually, I felt it in my stomach yes. instead of just like the way the initial question was asked. I actually thought I felt it in my you head. Thought. I thought and it, then, yes. But the absolutely. way you asked it, I felt. And once I started doing that, people would just start opening up and giving more of those details, wow. right? And so I definitely think it's important how you ask your questions. Mm. It's the same with ourselves too, bringing it back to yeah. that scarcity and to that abundance, right? Can I afford this car, right? Well, Versus what would it look like with me having this car, right? You know what <laughs> I mean? This is a feeling. What, what, what is the feeling? And so getting us into our bodies, getting yeah. us into that and really connecting to the essence mm. of what is going on so that we can let that be our teacher, right? Yeah. Versus just the thoughts. Because the thoughts get twisted. Totally. They get twisted. But that's why I feel like we have to drop out of our minds just in mm -hmm. general. Like we got to drop into the body mm -hmm. and, and, connect. and feel, yeah, and feel <laughs> the answer, you mm -hmm. know? And I, I say this, I say this a lot because I feel this so intensely. I feel like women are just so perfectly situated to understand how to feel their way through situ situations. Mm -hmm. And I think we learn it um, through life. We learn it with our cycle. We learn it with, whoa, I don't feel so good. Oh, wait, I'm about to start. Like we, mm -hmm. we just consistently every single month have these reminders of how our bodies tell us what time it is. Yep. <laughs> and then I'll tell you, like, I have three children. I've been pregnant three times. I've had given birth three times. Like you have to know your body mm -hmm. and that gets you back into your body. And you have to trust yourself in a way that that. I just don't think men are ever pushed into that situation. Mm -hmm. And it's not so much that like women can do it better. I think it's that women get pushed into the situation <laughs> yeah. all the time of like, well, what's your body what saying? Is, right. You know, right, and so yep. I think we just have more experience mm -hmm. dropping into the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you see sure. that? Yeah, for sure. I definitely think uh, so. Um, and I think there's some unlearning and some learning that uh, goes with that. Um, I just met this uh, lady, not the beautiful lady, with a beautiful story. Um, and she was talking about how she used to have a lot of anxiety about childbirth. Mm. And she was like, she said, I had so much anxiety and like I needed to be a rock star. And then she said, and then one day I realized like my body knows what to do. Yeah, you don't. This is this has nothing to do <laughs> right? with your head. And None it's of it. like, and so even that from that, uh, again, we as women and thinking about the body, we're always told what we need to be doing with our body or not doing with our body. And then scarcity shows up with that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Then we're not trusting it, yeah. you know? But then like you said, it kind of gets our attention. It's like our bodies knows what yeah. to do. Yeah. It knows exactly what to do and it tells us what we need to hear. We just have to start mm. listening yeah. to it. I, I am gonna ask you this question by first like reflecting on something that I feel and I Absolutely. want then your professional opinion on what I'm about to say. I have found that the answer for me in a lot of situations, as I've gotten older, I never would allow for silence. Mm -hmm. I, would I would never allow for nothing. Like I wouldn't allow space for nothing. Like I had to mm -hmm. fill 
all the time. But I've only recently, this year, begun to learn the value in nothing. That something Mm -hmm. beautiful can come from me just sitting there, me focusing on one thing, me meditating, me being in silence. And for me, that has become the answer in like literally every situation. Well, let's find stillness. Mm-hmm. Let's find mm-hmm. silence. And and so I'm at the place where I'm like, God, this is for everybody. This is what everybody needs. But I want your professional opinion on that. Like, is silence, is meditation, is stillness the answer for everyone, or is it just the answer for some people? I think it's I think it's the answer for everyone, but I think it looks different okay. for everyone. Meaning, yes, we need stillness. We need nothing and we need space, right? So what I hear um, you saying is creating that space to just be with yourself, to check mm. in with your body, to check in with your emotions, to check in with your thoughts. Mm. Um, to and get even clear. ask myself, is this what I want? Exactly. Do I want this? To, to lose distraction. So yeah. many times we're caught up in stuff because we are distracted. Yeah. So there are some people, you know, they really struggle with like that sitting still meditation. Yeah. You know, um, and so you know what I say. Well, what about a moving meditation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not a sit still meditator. I actually am a moving you meditator. You have to have moving. And then people say, "Oh, I didn't know that you could do moving meditation." Mm-hmm. And so that's again why I say pay attention on purpose. Whatever you're doing, the key thing is: Are you present? Mm. Right. And so when I hear silence, when I hear stillness, when I hear nothing, to me that's presence because you're not now filling it with stuff just to fill it with stuff. Yeah, because you're nervous right? or like fill the or silence. Or because you and, feel like you have to, but sometimes that ears, there is healing in pauses. Yes. There's healing in pauses, but we have been so conditioned, right, to be to, to skip the pause, yeah. right? We don't even have periods anymore. We just have commas in everything that we do, right? Comma and comma and comma, you know, or comma, but, you know, and like it's like, pause, you know, really reflect. So I definitely think that it's for everyone. Um, One thing that I recommend for my clients and people that I work with is take 30 minutes of stillness, silence, meditation. So that can look like reading for people, but just stillness, 30 minutes at the start of your day. Oh, yeah. Not in the middle, not after the kids have went to bed, not after you've checked on everyone, but just 30 Mm. minutes every morning and watch how things shift for you. Yep. Th- that's it consistently. So I used to have an acronym that I started. Um, I, I like acronyms and things They're like that. But it, was, remember, it was called right? SAVE, right? And so um, I made this up um, and it was silence. And so I'd wake up and I would not check my phone. I would not, uh, you know, get on social media, which I am the worst with social media anyway. Everybody is, like, don't worry. I don't even like it. I just do it because it's out there, you know, but um, so it would be silence. I would not talk to anyone. All of my friends, everyone knew do not call me between this time. And if they did call me, I would not answer Mm. starting with silence. And then a was affirmations. Okay, I've changed that now um, to what I call loving kindness phrases, because I think affirmations can feel like pretending. Yeah. um, But loving kindness phrases Mm. are like faith, uh, goodwill faith statements. Mm. Right. Like, may I be happy. May I be free? May I be safe? May I be present? You know, may I be still, you know? Um, And so, and then V was visualize. I would visualize 
what I wanted my day to look like, what I wanted, how I wanted people to treat me, how I wanted to show up. And then I'd E was exercise. And I would do my yoga every single morning. Yeah. That sounds like a whole lot, but some of those are kind of intertwined too, you know? You can do your yeah, you can do your yoga minutes every single day. And when I tell you the stillness actually comes naturally when you're walking across the meadow and you really look at how green the grass is and you're like, I've walked across this meadow 10 times, you know, in the last three days and didn't realize how green yeah. it was. I used to work at a residential treatment facility in Nunley, Tennessee. So it really was a meadow. <laughs> we had cows and, you know, and all of those different types of things. Yeah. So just being able to move with that lightness. Mm. So I know I gave a lot of words I to, love your, that, that to your acronym thing, is amazing. But start in the morning. Most yeah. people, it's hard to be still in the middle of the day for a lot of people. It's hard yeah. to be still at night because yep. you're hustling and bustling. And sometimes there's a fine line between stillness and crashing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And most people, are, ooh, well, I'm going to go be still. It's like, no, you're crashing, right? <laughs> but when we're crashing, we're not really mindful. Most of yeah. the time we want to do something mindless. So start your day. Yeah first with those things even if it's working for you now different started in the morning and watch how things shift mm, I love that it's something that I started to do I did start doing that uh, recently and the thing that I could not I still don't understand how this is even possible I spend so much time in silence that it has now created new capacity for me. Mm -hmm. It's also meant that the things that used to take me a certain amount of time take me less time. Yes. I don't, I still don't know how that's possible that I could spend, number one, that I could spend so much time in silence in a day <laughs> in like meditation. And then number two, that I can sort of float through the things I need to do. And I am like an arrow. I mean, it it's increases like, your capacity. It's, it's unbelievable to me because yes. I, and I still don't understand the phenomenon other than like, Hey, I fully am aware that this is now the byproduct, that I mm -hmm. don't feel the anxiety. I don't feel the stress or strain of like, I have too much. I have too much to do, too much to do. Well, I don't even mm -hmm. feel that. I just sort of like float through it, get it done absolutely. in half the time and like, okay, there's no fanfare. It's done. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely. Know? I say it takes the theatrics out, you know? Yes. Um, and so absolutely. But I mean, I think, think about like um, going back to the body, right? Our central nervous system. And when we... Um, Stress is our response to any demands that we have. But think about it. If we're always stressed, right, yeah. then we're in that flight, fight, or freeze mode, mm. which all flight, fight, or freeze cares about is survival. Yep. That's it. Yep. You know, our limbic system is is going off, and that's our reptilian brain. You yep. know what I mean? Survive. What do you need to do to get through the day? Yep. Um, and different things like that. So I think that when we can calm that and really nourish that and allow it to come on when it needs to, but when we can keep it where it needs to be, all of those other higher-level processes that we have, that mammalian brain yeah. is able to really do what it needs to do. It's not being hijacked. Yeah. You know, and so sometimes just that soothing and that breathing and those things things really helps say, okay, limbic system, thank you so very much. Mm -hmm. You know, but we're actually not in any danger. Yeah, we're okay. We right don't, here. We don't like, need you right okay. now. Like we we are okay. Thank you for, for being on the scene. And I understand that you're just trying to protect me, but right now, <laughs> you know, it's it's the mammalian's turn, you know? <laughs> I just so, love yes, it. Ab absolutely. So that's the other thing about that mind body connect. And a lot of times it gives us perspective. Mm. Um, it also helps us that mindfulness, um, you know, holding it in balanced awareness. Too often something happens and we start over identifying with it. 
and that takes up space. Yeah. So now it's taking you two hours to complete something because totally. you're bogged down. Totally. Because you're over-identifying with it, yeah. you know? And so it's just letting it go. So creating um, creating space. Oh, I love it. Dr. P! Yeah. <laughs> what, what, a, what a gift. What a joy. Thank you so much for doing this today. Appreciate yes, it. Yes, thank you for having me. Big, big thank you again to Dr. Paquita Pullen for showing up as her authentic self for this episode from a place of wholeness. I laughed so many times while I was listening back and editing this episode. It really was such a joy to relive. I've been thinking a lot about her SAVE acronym she shared at the end just there. It stands for silence, affirmations, or as she explained, goodwill faith statements, visualization, and exercise. And it's such a powerful reminder. It's something I have committed to do for five days. I'm a few days in. And I say five and not longer because I know how my mornings go, quite frankly, and I know how hard it is to find stillness in the morning. So I'm trying to be honest with myself about what I can actually do and and see how it changes each of my days. And I encourage you to challenge yourself to do the same thing and maybe start with three days. Try to do it three days in a row and see how you feel. Even one minute of mental stillness really can reset you. It doesn't mean you're sitting still either. I like to take 10-minute breaks uh, at the station where I get up from my desk and I just go outside for a few minutes. It's kind of like a break in between things. And once I make it back to my desk, I've sort of signaled to myself that I can move on to the next thing, and it's fine. You can do it if you just commit to it. Coming up next week, you're going to meet an OG supporter of Amstigator. Pat Shea is a former CEO and executive director in healthcare, nonprofit, and business. She is a power player, and she's one of those women who is so incredibly connected. She's also become a dear friend of mine. Her lesson is one of next-level connectivity. It's a big, big picture view of the world. We also talk a ton about giving and the implications of giving. As you go through this week, I encourage you, shine your light, lead with your heart, and live life purposefully. I'm Lauren Lowry, and this is Amstigator.